Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this particular episode is Questions of the Force. We don't always say questions, because saying the whole world, word, it just it takes up time, so we normally call it Cues of the Force. We're going to save time by calling it A's instead of answers. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. How are you? 
I'm, I'm Ken Napsack. I'm doing great. Uh, we're all fine here. How are you? Uh, yes, uh, cues of the force, questions of the force. And, uh, yeah, we, you don't say the full words. That's not what hip kids do. No, no, no. It's much more exciting to say cues of the force, which we are excited to take your cues. Uh, we are also excited to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you, as always, by Audible. You uh, can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. We are continuing to recommend Padawan by Kirsten White. Are you a big fan of us suggesting the audiobook of Padawan by Kirsten White? Well, enjoy it while you can, because soon we will be talking about this book and we'll move on to other great suggestions. But for now, if you want to listen to this book, you can download a free audiobook version by going to audibletrial.com slash center. One more time, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audiobook. And with that, we go on to our new segment, uh, that we do actually have to use the full word or we'd confuse it with answers because it's another A word. Uh, our new segment called Asking. <laughs> Ken, do you want to do our asking segment? I'd love to ask. We are asking, uh, if you'd like to consider, head over to our YouTube channel. Just look up Force Center. You'll find us. And we're asking if you can help us uh, expand and grow that channel as we have new content coming on the way over there. We'll be doing the live Q&As. You get to see our face. As always, we rebroadcast the podcast over there. There's even things in the past, old episodes of Databank Brawl. Uh, we have some in-memoriam stuff shorter form content but new things are on the way so if you want to give us a subscription uh hit that uh, subscribe button ring that bell do the things we're looking to get to seven thousand subscribers that's our next big plateau we asked for the 6500 and you all came through so we're asking for more is it danger to ask more like kylo ren (laughs) maybe maybe but uh we are so supportive felt we feel supported by our force center community and uh, we want to just ask directly so there you go Head over to YouTube and give us a subscribe, a subscription if you'd like to. That is right. We will never go full Palpatine and ask for a number of subscribers that is everything. We recognize that is unrealistic. We don't want that. Just 7,000 for now. Uh, great reading on the ask. And uh, mm-hmm. we're going to move on then to our cues. We have two from Twitter, two from our patrons on Patreon. As always, we'll go first to Twitter. And this question comes to us from Dan with two N's. Uh, Dan says, hey, friends, asking on behalf of a friend of my own, if the technology exists to have hyper intelligent droids such as tactical droids, why didn't every droid get that software update? Wouldn't every clanker benefit from advanced tactical programming? Thanks for everything. This is a really fun question. I think we've had similar questions, you know, over the years, uh, but I really love the tactical droids. And and, and I wasn't sure if I had a, a lot to say. And then and then I discovered I was wrong. Ken, <laughs> where do you go with this question? I have some big picture thoughts on this here. Can't wait to uh, dive into the weeds probably a little more with yours here. Uh, first of all, I, I think there's an amusing part of this question where someone on the trade federation hit the remind me later button on the upgrade <laughs> the version change 28.1 uh for the battle droids nah remind me yeah the, it, what's 28 working we don't need point one. uh and the the second that i have is you know what but thank god the trade federation did that or just didn't uh, make any changes to these uh, droids i think uh that would have been uh, had some deadly consequences and yes we know the Republic versus the Separatists as uh, an evil wizard at the center of it all. Uh, 
couple of evil wizards, but uh, you know, I don't know. Trade Federation uh, uh, comes to mind, but separatists overall, just uh, the clankers could have been a lot more dangerous and I'm glad they weren't. So I'll go here. I think that the, I keep saying the trade Federation going back to Phantom Menace because that's kind of where it starts. Uh, but that's interchangeable right now in my mind for separatists. So uh, the Confederacy of uh, independent planets there. I think, uh, I think in a way they look down on their opponents. I think there also could have been a budget factor in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they look down on their opponents, the galaxy, I think even the Jedi, and that they didn't really think that they needed to do that. If they have the higher elite ones, because clearly along the way they've made some changes. Uh, one of the big things about the Onderon arc is the, that I love is, is the um, keeping with real world history, but the, the, the essentially the helicopters show up, right? Uh, and, and, and they add things along the way. Uh, so I think they understand the need and need for changes, but I think in just keeping the old clankers, the B1s, B2s, whatever you want to say, uh, keeping them on the lower level, just shows that we don't care. We're just going to throw the numbers at you. We, we think eventually you're going to be swarm. So it's a statement on that, statement on the thoughts on war and the power grab and how to get there. And all this leads to this one thought, Joseph, and I'm sure this factors in some of your thinking. <laughs> this question from Dan with two ends makes me, Realize that the 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 plight of the battle droids in the Clone Wars series at, at times amuses me, but also makes me feel sad for them. The they kind of are treated like this. They're fallen. They're screaming. They're just getting promoted right before they die. There's a lot of things going on in their stories, <laughs> and it all kind of stems from this. Yeah, no, we love to talk about the the Clone Wars as really giving life and humanity to the clones. But uh, I think through its comedy with the B one battle droids, it really gave. <laughs> A lot of life and personality and tragedy uh, to the battle droids as well. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's such a fun question because um, I think Star Wars is in a lot of ways a, a fantasy, uh, mm-hmm. but it shares many practical truths with our world like money. Um, I feel like that's the kind of the, the biggest thing is, you know, that the idea that these droids – um, cost money. I, I felt mm. like there was a Clone Wars line about the tactical droids being expensive, uh, but I couldn't find it uh, on, on a on a Google. Uh, but that's that's part of what I think of is you know just because the technology exists doesn't mean that it is accessible to everyone and everything. I think the point of the B one battle droids is like you said to be a, a swarm tactic. It is supposed mm. to be just like individually they're not that much but there are so many of them and you get a jedi cornered and you know the, mm-hmm. uh, that great shot in um one of the christophsis episodes where they get they're, they're in the building and there's just the swarm coming from either side and suddenly the, the battle droids aren't funny anymore they're they're terrifying because they're just too many of them yeah. um so i feel like that's their their purpose so then there's this question of like okay well would they benefit from advanced tactical programming and you can say well maybe it's just not possible maybe the the Mm -hmm. actual software does cost money (laughs) uh and the design of the droids maybe the the droids literally need a different hardware in order to run the software and that's more expensive so that's all that's always really interesting to me uh and i think it's important that we we apply that you know that technology is going to be different for different reasons you know the same reason like yes humanity has it in us to build a rocket that goes to the moon, but there's lots of reasons we don't all have one, you know? <laughs> yeah. Or we're not heading there now. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. Or what, but, but they went there <laughs> so much in the yeah. sixties and the seventies. What's the deal? Why aren't they, you know? Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I always like keeping my mind open for those things. 
Um, I think the the other part of it for me, there's the, like the, maybe the financial, the practical, the resources, but then you get into the philosophy of like, do they really want that? Like mm-hmm. from the outside, Dan with two ends, Fran makes uh, perfect sense. Like, yeah, why wouldn't you want every one of your soldiers to be a tactical genius? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's something that's very Sith-like in the thinking that there should be a ruler and then thousands, millions, billions of drones who follow orders, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think uh, independent thinking for everyone is a big pursuit of the Sith. (laughs) Um, And I think one of the interesting things about the the tactical droids that I did find in my Google search, the reminder of this great line from Bad Batch, uh, uh, where... uh, Omega and Echo are talking and, and Omega is saying, why is a tactical droid more important than the other droids? And Echo says, uh, the more tactical droids fought, the more they learned and won. So clearly their software is something that is uh, allowing them growth and learning. And right. I think it's really interesting to think about an organization like the Separatists uh, at the end of the day. Do they want billions of B1 battle droids very right. quickly learning? And it's it's fun to imagine after we see like so much so many of the jokes in the Clone Wars are the the droids being forced to basically march into their own death in misery because they're just cannon fodder to overwhelm clones and Jedi. Yeah. And uh, I don't think that the leaders of Separatists want them to suddenly learn like, wait, <laughs> our commanders are constantly marching us yeah. into merciless, pointless death. I, I really agree to see, you know, we see on the Republic side and, and even just we've discussed the Jedi in general, their relationship with the clones versus like Yoda and Anakin versus uh, obviously Pong Krell's an extreme example. But you see you see that and, and the clones and that big theme of them wrestling with their own identity. The, the jokes about the Battlefronts aside, the battle droids aside, uh, which I play on Battlefront, why that word was in my mind. Uh, yeah, I think I agree with you. You look at like uh, what you and I have discussed with B2 Emu, Emo, uh, uh, K2SO. L3, of course. Uh, I think I grew up, even though 3PO and R2 had quite the vibrant personalities that I, I loved and, 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 and you know, spent so much time with, I still kind of thought of them as just robots, as my micro, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, I, I never thought of them as what we kind of see now that, uh, that I think, because that's also the 80s, but now the uh, algorithms and AI and all these kind of things that are out there right now, I think of it, it's no longer science fiction in a lot of it. So now just quite apply all that to this question. I think you're right. One of those battle droids goes, wait, this is, this is horrible. I just got promoted and now you're, I don't want to do this. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I think they have limited programming for a reason. It keeps them cheap and fast and in service. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think the Clone Wars itself wrestles with that, like with that Pong Krell arc. Like, yes, that's a horror of war of like uh, sometimes, you know, a, a this this group goes out front. Right. And mm-hmm. you know, you're going to have casualties. It's it's awful. Um but there's a wrestling with the morality of it, like in that Pong Krell arc of like, it seems like you're th- throwing us into situations where we really don't need to be in. And uh, that that whole arc is about the clones going being like, yeah, this isn't okay. We'll we'll die for the cause, but not for the hubris of the leader. And yeah. I think the B1s, if they got to be even more self-aware, would, would have a similar issue that the clones do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and I want to uh, this out to you too as well. With this thought or this uh, question, it's a very maybe a surface level question, but like uh, not for nothing. But 
you know, if the if the battle droids get an update, uh, that you do press update now, and they get better. Forget the hey, they don't want to fight anymore. But let's just say they get better. Does that start to throw the war out of balance for Palpatine and Dooku, where <laughs> Dooku's or Palpatine are just they're just kind of interested in a stalemate? It's kind of yeah. to the benefit, maybe. That's true. It's true. It does seem like they want to win uh, some specific objectives. But yeah, if they're just suddenly like, oh, oh wow, the, the droids are really taking it to the Republic. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that's good. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's one of those things. I don't, you know, I think Dooku might be like, yeah, I kind of believe in some of this stuff, too. I, you know, but like for Palpatine, I, I don't know. It's the great Palpatine X factor. What do you what we know his end game? We know his big goals. But along the way, how he gets there, it's fascinating. Yeah, man, that would be a great, uh, great story if there is some little group of uh, of battle droids who who did achieve, you know, a, a, a sentience that it was not wanted by their programming. And like, it's just kind of fast in Revenge of the Sith, right? Of like, uh, go go there, Anakin, go there, or Darth Vader, go there and slaughter everybody, yeah. Uh, yeah. slaughter all the the separatist leaders, and and make them shut down the droids. And like, what if there is some bad batch group of B ones who like we're not shutting down? <laughs> This is amazing. You just stumbled on something amazing there where you got the Bad Batch and then you have like G.I. Joe in the comics in the 80s. They had the the Russian, the Soviet equivalent, the October Guard, which were these characters that popped up every now and then. So it's, it reminds me of that, of just like you have uh, you have a uh, Bad Batch and then you have like six battle droids that just like got out. Yep. <laughs> they updated i i found the update button we're free like and, just, and, and they're going through the galaxy at the same time uh, i would love that it was the bad batch and the sad sack uh fighting together <laughs> the bad batch and the sad sack oh uh, but i also do love your like your the actual update things of mm-hmm. uh i don't want to get into the details but i had an, a, a problem with my computer that it might be an update thing yeah. um and that is really funny to be like uh we've hit the button and uh now they are much better tacticians uh their left leg won't move and we don't know why it happens man we, it's it's we all i recently they updated obs for uh, live streaming so I, of course i did it and it ruined everything and I had to like rebuild it. <laughs> and I was like, so now there's a 28.1. And I'm like, uh, we're going to do the remind me later on here. I like this idea too of if, if maybe there was some separatist leaders like, hey, this would make sense if we did this. We could win the war. We have an update ready. And that word gets to Dooku and Grievous and Palpatine. And suddenly those scientists aren't around anymore. I'm not rooting for <laughs> death and destruction, but you know, like it can be a little subplot. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many interesting factors in it. But I think at the end of the day, for me, I just kind of take it, mm-hmm. it is the the simple realistic like uh, that level of software and the hardware needed to run it is expensive. Mm-hmm. And it's not for the just pump them out B1 battle droids. Yeah, love it. Love it. Very fun thoughts. We're going to move on to our second Twitter question. This comes to us from Ben Potter. This is a very fun one. Uh, ben says, do you have a favorite prequel? Obi-Wan hanging moment. I count four total, two in The Phantom Menace. Once again, it seems like a simple question, but so many things to discuss. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to start with this, Ken. Uh, this is my attempt to count the Obi-Wan Kenobi hanging in a prequel moments. Yeah, uh, This is just the films. This is not all of Clone Wars, <laughs> where mm-hmm. the list would expand greatly. Oh, right. So in the Phantom Menace, uh, in, in the generator Naboo generator room battle, uh, he is he is kicked by Maul, right, and separated from uh, Maul and Qui Gon. Uh, so he hangs there for a second before pulling himself up. Uh, there is uh, one of uh, Obi Wan's most famous hanging moments in uh, the Phantom Menace after being force pushed by Maul after Qui Gon has fallen. 
then we go to attack the clones. And, uh, hey, I consider it hanging when he's clinging to the uh, courier droid mm-hmm. uh, of Zam Wessel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I consider it, this. I'm going to stretch the definition of hanging here, but just to make sure we, we get as many as we can, I think uh, when he's fighting Django on Kamino and he falls and he's hanging on to uh, Django's cable, I think he's hanging there for a second. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then we go to a Revenge of the Sith. Uh, I think uh, it is a, a form of hanging when he is unconscious on Anakin's back in an elevator shaft. <laughs> hey, that's it. I like that. <laughs> uh, and then a, a, another one of the famous ones uh, in Revenge of the Sith, hanging off the ledge on Utapau after being thrown by Grievous mm-hmm. and right before destroying Grievous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is maybe stretching it. This is maybe more clinging than hanging. Uh, but certainly when uh, when he and Anakin are, are riding the bit of Mustafar equipment on, on the river of, of flames <laughs> and towards the waterfall yeah. of fire, there, there's some hanging, there's some clinging. Uh, so that that was my attempt to count the major hanging moments of Obi-Wan Kenobi in the prequels. Uh, how do you feel about the list? I think the list is good. You're missing one big one. In A New Hope, he is hanging on the hope that Luke Skywalker will... <laughs> he's hanging on to hope the entire time yeah definitely that that scene in the jedi temple when yoda knows yoda senses what's in the hollow files yeah obi-wan's <sighs> hanging on to hope hanging on to hope uh great sounds like a, an album millhouse's dad would release after uh, after his first one <laughs> uh, uh love this love the list love the counting love this love the question yeah, and who knows? I might have missed one. Uh, I didn't uh, re- have time to rewatch the entire prequel trilogy uh, for Hangings, so yeah. if I missed one, I apologize. What are your favorite Obi-Wan hanging moments, and, and what kind of uh, uh, metrics do you use to determine the answer to such an important question? I, I think it is, for me, the interesting thing about the hanging with, with Obi-Wan, this is, this is a wonderful observation, Ben, is Obi-Wan is is somewhat measured. We look at him as we often say the poster child for Jedi or follows the rules. I, you know, that's a general sweep of, of the character, but there's some truth in there. He takes chances. So I like when he is hanging and it puts him out of his comfort zone or our perceived Kenobi comfort zone that he might be in, uh, that it's challenged. And, and that's why it's like I have a shout out to the Phantom Menace hanging there before he uh, flies up and kills Maul. Uh, I do love that one. Uh, you, you probably have much more to say about what that does to him in that moment and how it forces <laughs> him to focus. Because that's right. I think when you're off, when you're off the beaten path, when you're off uh, the 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 planned uh, route of attack, and you're just hanging there, you have a lot to you have a lot to think about in a short amount of time and how to get out. <laughs> how to get out of it. So I love that one. But my favorite one is, and I'm, I'm glad you count it because I count it too. But is is hanging off the ASN courier droid. Uh, in the thing with Zam Wessel, you and I have talked about it. Others have joked about it. Kenobi's a little, uh, no, come on, Anakin, we must be mindful. This, I'm jumping out the window. <laughs> and I and I love it because at the end of the day, is a Jedi Knight. And he's doing that for good. Uh, there's good reasons to do that. And it's fun. Adventure. It is film noir to me as well. It's uh, the shot through the window. It's I don't, the car chase. There's a lot of things I love about it. Uh, it's also the of all the Jedi skills that you could have out there hanging by your fingers for an extended period of time. I don't care how many mini chlorians are coursing through your veins. That, that is hard. I, I, as much as I uh, do enjoy going to the gym and, and do lift some weights, I don't have a lot of the hanging arm strength. It's one of the hardest things your, your body weight takes over and I have too much. Of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to, there was this, I had to do a sketch 
at the Groundlings was a runner through the show. So we had three bits of it. It was me, Peter Sprite, and Brian Keith Etheridge hanging from, they have a bar in the center of the Groundlings stage. And it was like, we got knocked out of a helicopter. Helicopter was the runner, right? It was the three, three characters dealing with possibly having to fall into the ocean. If at any one of part point one of us fell, the sketch was over, right? And we couldn't mm-hmm. bring it back in. It was this was our show, and it, the the amount of strain and pain I went through. This was two thousand two, <laughs> so here I see Kenobi doing this, and I'm like, I really admire him. I really admire him. I love the sequence, the strength it takes, the concentration. He gets even hit. His fingers come on. He has to like he's hanging by one hand. You got all the cars around there. I, I love everything about it. It's true pulp adventure. The shock of Megaloof. Yeah. <laughs> Megaloof. You got Megaloof there. <laughs> You're saying lots of good things. I love the idea that uh, hanging from something is a teachable moment uh, that mm-hmm. you have, a, have time to go, how did I end up where I am and what can I do <laughs> yeah. to correct my life path in this moment? I think uh, that's great. Uh, I, I relate to you about uh, hanging for comedy sketches. I've definitely done that a couple times. <laughs> mm. Mm. But uh, hanging was uh one of the things that i was actually good at in gym because Mm. i weighed about seven pounds uh for a large chunk of my of my growing up and and into my adulthood Mm. and you know the the things that you know i was not good at sports uh, i was not naturally coordinated i was not encouraged or given good guidance on how to get better at those things um so i wasn't uh great at, at a ton of sports and then anytime it came up to be like, and now we need you to do, you know, climb a rope or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> all yeah. Wayne's World jokes aside, I was good at that. And all the big, strong guys sucked. And it was great. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I would have been on the ground looking up. There goes Scribshaw. <laughs> top again. Yeah. And it wasn't about strength. It's about <laughs> weighing nothing, uh, which I wish I still did for, uh, personally. But uh, but uh, life well, happens and I'm yeah. happy with uh with the body I have as well. Anyway, this isn't about me and my uh, self issues. This is about Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, yeah, I, I, I think uh, I love the observation that that it happens a lot. I love your observation that a Jedi should focus on finger strength. Like I said, mm-hmm. I've been rewatching Rebels, and Ezra and Kanan are forever hanging from uh, mm-hmm. ledges. Uh, the Star Wars Galaxy is a place with a very few rails where most important things happen in a high place. (laughs) If you want to go out and be a part of the galaxy, you're going to be hanging from things. So get used to it. Train those fingers. Um, But for the Kenobi moments, I do feel like starting with the Phantom Menace one, we see a philosophy that follows Kenobi through his life. uh, I think begin there is, he is aggressive uh, in his fight against Maul. He is, I think, channeling some of his uh, pain at, at watching his master fall uh, and being separated and not being able to stop it. And he, it, you know, he, he gets some, some good shots in, uh, driving and aggressive, but he leaves himself open to this attack. And then he's hanging there and Maul thinks he's got the day. He's just tormenting him, right? Yeah. And I think that it's this moment where Maybe is this the first time or the most significant time where Kenobi uh, learns that looking like he has lost is something that he can turn into an advantage. Mm. Like and he, he does it time and time again, right? Um, the connection between the, the mall scene and the Grievous scene, right? Grievous is like, he's hanging there, clinging, you know, depending mm. on the quality of his finger strength, he's done. Uh, and 
uh, and he turns that into a winning moment. Uh, I feel like that's the whole uh, sort of great point of the sparring scene in the Kenobi show between Obi-Wan and Anakin. That Anakin is so assertive, so aggressive, thinks being assertive in power is everything. And Kenobi it's like realizes that Anakin thinks, oh, because I don't have my saber in my hand, I'm done. I've lost. Yeah. Um, no, I have something more up my sleeve. Um, and that's, to me, his ultimate victory against Vader on the Death Star is allowing yeah. Vader to cut him down because Vader thinks he's lost and Vader doesn't know the game he's playing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think there is this kind of meaningful thing attached to uh, Kenobi's hanging. Uh, I also think there's like this kind of this this funny aspect of it that we have seen him triumph multiple times uh, while having the low ground. <laughs> yes. And then his famous defeat of Anakin is, I have the high ground. I think as somebody who has had the low ground mm. and defeated cocky people who have the high ground, I think he has an expert understanding of every way you can be attacked from the low ground. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I've taken down people from the high ground uh, more than once. So I understand how to defend the high ground. Here is what Maul should have done to me as I was flipping over him, you know? Right. Right. Do, do you think somewhere could, the spirit of Kenobi, um, even though, he, I, yes, I know he's still alive at this time, by the way, folks. Do you think the spirit could be connected to Nemec's words of, you know, attack from below? There's not expected as much. <laughs> I think so. Absolutely. They, they think you're done, right? Yeah. Um, and, and I think both the Maul and the Grievous moments are about situational awareness, right? Of uh, so, the the combatants there, Maul and Grievous, are both just focused on uh, they think they have Kenobi right where he wants him. Mm-hmm. And Kenobi is more aware of the environment and that there is a weapon still to be seized. Yeah. 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 So at the end of the day, I think my two favorites are the mall one is just iconic and, and great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I'm going with the courier droid as well, because I just yeah. I do. I, I love that whole uh, chase sequence. And I love that. Yeah. Kenobi's putting Anakin in his place by saying finding out who is behind the assassination is not actually our mandate. It's just protecting Kenobi. Mm-hmm. But since we have an opportunity, I'll smash through this window. Yeah. 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 I love I love that scene. I love that's that's your choice as well. The music, everything about it, it, it just it's grown for me over the years. Is that uh, is one of my favorite little sequences in Star Wars? Yeah, yeah. No, I can hear the music as mm-hmm. we're talking about it and see the uh, the the scope uh, a vision of of Zam, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and all that uh, great stuff. Any final thoughts on uh, Kenobi clinging desperately to the side of things? No, it's a great observation. I think you've brought some uh, thematic insights to what it, it can be used for, and we've discussed some of it before there, but I think it's it's great. And and, and particularly the, the Grievous one, it, the focus is on, you know, a blaster shot to the guts, uh, you know, and a burning eyes of Grievous and everything. But I do love what you're saying of, of even then, you know, there's an example of got this guy here because victory is the only thing in my sight, and, and Kenobi has the bigger picture. And uh, just makes sense that he's always fallen and hanging. Yep. Yep. So if you're if you're fighting Kenobi and you think you got him beat, uh, learn the lesson of Grievous and watch your organ sack. That's the lesson, I think. Protect your organs. <laughs> that is right. Uh, and with that, we are going to take a quick break and we'll be back to talk about our cues from our patrons on Patreon back in a moment. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. And we are back with more cues of the force. We're going to our patron, Andrew Holmes, who says, uh, Hi, Ken and Joseph. I want to recount a recent experience. Oh, no. Uh, uh, let, let me see what I've done here. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Let me see what I what I did here. Uh, I made a little bit of an error. Nope, I'm good. Okay, here we go. Uh, I am correct. <laughs> Apologies, everyone. Uh, Andrew Holmes says, Hi, Ken and Joseph. I want to recount a recent experience I need to share with you, uh, uh, with you who may appreciate it, and then ask you a question. I hope that's okay. Preface. In Australia, it is very hard and expensive to get action figures. Preface two, I promise I won't delve into bemoaning the state of action figures. <laughs> Be the light, uh, says Andrew. So I loved Tibidon Station Kenobi, or as I like to call him, Obi Blue Kenobi. What a great look. Anyway, I missed the Amazon exclusive three and three quarter inch. Surprise, not available on Amazon Australia. And the Target exclusive Black Series version was not available through any fan channels here in Australia. 
FYI, Target here is owned by a different company, so we don't get exclusives. I had checked with various places, and they said, no, we won't, can't get this. Needless to say, sadness ensued. Anyway, the other day, I was at Big W, uh, think an Australian Kmart, with my three-year-old finding unicorn presents for a friend's birthday. It had been a crappy week, and every now and then, Big W has some good, if not low-quantity and options deal on Star Wars toys. Lots of empty racks. Anyway, I thought, why not? Let's see if that three and three quarter Mithral is on sale. And there was Black Series, Tibidon, Station, Obi, Blue, Kenobi staring at me. I couldn't believe it. And it was half price. It was the greatest action figure purchase experience of my life. Your words were ringing in my ears. Always turn left to check the toy aisle. Anyway, my question to you both is, what was the most memorable or surprising Star Wars action figure purchase or experience you have had? Thanks for continually bringing joy to the Star Wars community. Thank you. This is a great story uh, and a great question. Um, Ken, where do you go with this uh, with this question? Uh, do you have any thoughts on Obi-Blue Kenobi? <laughs> Take it where you would like to go. I well, love it. I've seen that. Ser- I've seen a lot of Obi-Blue Kenobi on the shelves lately. Uh, both sizes, right? Because there's a couple couple versions of it, right? Um, yeah, it's. But uh, so I share that joy of something you want that's not there, and, and that's yes, always turn left. And I I don't know what I'm expecting because I don't collect figures as much right now, uh, but I always turn left. There's just this weird hope of something, and I don't know what that something is, right? Because usually we know what figures are being released, you know what might be out there. Uh, but sometimes I don't know. I just turn there expecting, oh, they they released a Black Series Crix Maidine. I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> it is the benefit of not necessarily being sort of a, a hawk about the mm-hmm. action figure releases of being surprised. And and I'm paying more attention now than I used to um, about what's coming up. But it's still the release schedules of when things claim they're going to be available online versus when they're going to be in stores versus are they actually in a store versus hey yeah we talked about this action figure announcement you know a year and a half ago on force center and i forgot that one was coming out i still uh check the aisle every time for those those fun surprises and just to kind of look at the the state of star wars toys so yeah. i'm with you on hoping for that big surprise all the time yeah uh, as far as like specifics uh i have to admit i struggle a little i struggle to just even kind of remember uh it's a lifetime of collecting uh, I think we're also in this era of like you're talking about, you know, just add the cart sometimes if you want. And, and it's changed the nature of the game. But what uh, is being discussed here in this story is just that pure joy. And, and along the way, there's two things that come to mind. And and, and I, and I we, you and I were talking off air. I didn't for whatever reason, I kind of blocked out or, or didn't want to list convention moments, which include even. Uh, recent celebration uh, Anaheim you you gifted me the Emperor's Royal Guard mm-hmm. Brian Ward gifted me the Shmi Skywalker uh, Power of the Force uh, uh, version there that I um, uh, you know the later one where I I went there and I saw it and I was like I'd, I'll get it in the next day and I went back and it was gone and it was gone because Brian had got it <laughs> um, so there's a lot of those but I put those out aside because there's something about the out and about in the wild when you see the figures and mm-hmm. one that's um, I've mentioned it before, but I have the, it's a number seven black series, three and three quarter Darth Vader with the mask that kind of cracks off. Right. Mm. Um, this is the early black series stuff. So I don't even remember. Uh, I was going to go check out uh, the release date on it. Uh, and, and you and I probably discussed it in our figure uh, list there on Star Wars ranked, but that was, a, it came to my life at an era. I want to say like 2010 range. Mm. Uh, where, you know, I definitely wasn't collecting. Definitely Star Wars felt like it was in the rearview mirror, even with Clone Wars on, on TV. 
and I was in a different part of my life and not quite the, I got to leave it all behind. I was still very much a, a nerd in my office at, at my old day job as I've discussed here on the channel. But that was one of the ones of like, look at that, a Vader, you know, and I collect Vaders, which is, it's kind of weird when you stop and think about it. I collect <laughs> this emotional and physical prison for this former hero. Um, but I, I, lo- I just loved it. I remember uh, just kind of holding it and being like, yeah, right. You know, just, yeah, I got to get this. Um, and especially then 2010, you know, this it's, it's Vader. You could say it's Vader, uh, return of the Jedi, you know, face exposed, but really it's, it's Hayden's face. So it's a, to me, it's a prequel Vader Mm. uh, in my mind. And you know, that range, I don't know the exact year, but yeah, we, we weren't celebrating those films as much. Uh, and it just meant a lot to just kind of be open to that and be open to the the magic of star Wars in this uh, little three, three quarters. So I still have it. I had to reattach, uh, the packaging, I think, uh, my Plagueis figure fell apart too. The packaging just one day just fell apart. Mm. Um, so I think I had to do that, uh, cause it's been, it's been with me for that long. Um, so that's a big one that comes to mind now. I will say this though, uh, during Rogue One season, uh, there was a particular Walgreens on my way to work, uh, when I worked at Screen Junkies, then I switched, uh, around that time to, um, Collider. So I had a, but I lived by it. And for whatever reason, they just had a steady stream of the Rogue One figures, the six-inch Black Series during that time. Mm. And so it was fun to go every week, swing by. There was this wonderful old guy, Mel, there. He was just the best. I love talking to Mel. So, and, and it was just like, that was where I would go. I'd go get some, you know, some Gatorade, uh, this or that, a can of soup. Oh, K2S was here. And just seeing, I was always surprised when I turned that corner to see what was there. I think that's where I got my Cassian in that cool uh, jacket there on mm. Jetta. Um, and that, that was just some memories of making sure, specifically going, oh, I got to go see which Rogue One figures over there. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, because to me, my my love of action figures is the actual, you know, figure. I think they're little works of art. They're symbols of the characters, symbols of the ideas. But, you know, when you can find them out in the world... Um, and like yep the world changes and online is a thing and and Mm -hmm. that's its own ritual now too of they when they show up and i pick which day to open them and Mm -hmm. all that but there's something really special about it being out in the world and and having an element of community to it where you remember the people you were with or like even if you didn't pick up a a figure that day you went to that happy place and talked to mel (laughs) yeah yeah and that's what you remember it's about an action figure but it's also probably about that place and mel right yeah totally is totally is yeah. yeah, that that that's always the best uh, when it can be a, a story of hope uh, like Andrews mm-hmm. is here. Uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll share a couple things. One, I just need to talk about Obi Blue Kenobi because, uh, yes. yes, wow. Uh, I remember the first time it was in a photo or, or trailer, the, the Blue Kenobi shirt. And I was like, oh, I can't wait for the action figures. And then there's the uh, the tension to see exactly when and how it will roll out. And this one has been all exclusive mm-hmm. everywhere. Um so the Black Series one, yeah, it was the the Target exclusive. Um, and a uh, funny story with that, as the action figures were were announced, you know, sometimes when they're announced as exclusives, it's hard to figure out ahead of time if they're going to be sold out immediately in pre-orders. And that's all the only place they'll ever exist. And then they're expensive on eBay. Yeah. Or if... Eventually, they'll be released at that store and they'll be plentiful and there'll be no problem. You kind of don't know. So I had I did, I had Kenobi fever and I was uh, pre-ordering every Kenobi <laughs> yeah. they announced. But then 
this question came in from Andrew and I, and I was like, did I not pre-order Obi Blue Kenobi? Uh, and I had a, I have a gift card from Target that my dad gave me for Christmas <laughs> three years ago. I was like, I haven't used that yet. I better uh, pre-order Obi Blue Kenobi. And then last week I get two dings of email alerts and it was two different Target messages of like, your pre-order is shipping. <laughs> it was both of my, uh, my Obi Blue Kenobi uh, Black Series. Uh, so I'm going to be able to take one completely out of the package, which I'm very happy about. Yeah. Love that. And then on top of that, it's a nice human uh, memory. The only way right now that I'm aware of, I could be wrong, but uh, the only way that uh, Obi Blue Kenobi is available in three and three quarter is in a three pack uh, that is exclusive to Amazon. Mm-hmm. And I had saw it, and I was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump on that exclusive." And uh, our, our friend Alden Diaz had DM me <laughs> that morning. He's like, "You know that exclusive is opening up," uh, so that's a nice memory. Like, uh, "Yes, thank you, thank you." Uh, so I pre-ordered that a while ago, and that that just came, and that one's gonna torture me because it's packages within packages. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's three figures, and they're carded, but then they're within that classic mm-hmm. three-pack discount pack uh, from from back in the day. Uh, but yeah, that that's Obi Blue Kenobi, a Purge Trooper, and Tika, uh, the the charlatan wow. Jawa. Um, mm. Yeah, so the the look is great, the figures are great. So I share your excitement, Andrew, and thank you, Andrew, because of you, I have two of the Black Series, and I can open one. Uh, yeah, then the, for for stories, I I have a lot of them. I I try to. Uh, remember them because that's part of what what makes it uh, special but i also sometimes freeze and I'm like which one um I, i've shared it uh, many times on force center but i know we have new listeners so i'll just share the very short version my uh, one of my favorites is uh is a kid uh my brother's three years older than me at the time we lived in st cloud uh minnesota and most weekends we would drive about an hour into minneapolis because st cloud wasn't as uh built up then there weren't as many action figure options but mm-hmm. minneapolis oh many places uh, to, to see action figures. And uh, for whatever reason, I can't remember how far ahead of Return of the Jedi it was. And you can look it up. Um, but we were waiting for the Return of the Jedi action figures uh, to come out uh, ahead of the movie. And for whatever reason that weekend, my brother didn't want to come with uh, to Minneapolis. And I was like, okay, but just in case the Return of the Jedi figures are out, um, which one do you want? And he, he was like, you need to learn the world's hard. Uh, the figures won't be out. It's too early. It's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, but it means like, but I guess we're going to push me a Gamorrean guard. Um, so I just, I had it in me that it, it was, it was like a little story. I had it in me that I shouldn't hope for this. I shouldn't turn left at Sears. It's not yeah. going to be there. And then to be confronted with the wall mm-hmm. of new figures after, you know, the whole sad Lobot joke comes from at this point, like, that's all that was left on the shelves for like a year it was nothing but lobots and 82 83 of lobots um yeah so and, and that's uh when i uh, first laid eyes on uh jedi knight luke skywalker from return of the jedi so that's always my sort of uh foundational <laughs> action figure find uh story and memory um more recently uh, my wife and I were driving around LA and we passed just a, a standalone toy store. It's called stock California toy store. And we went past it and I was like, I, I kind of want to do a U-turn and just go to that toy store. And I was like, you should. Um, and they just had a, they have a, a bunch of black series that are long, long gone, mm. uh, from other shelves. 
Um, And I don't collect Black Series as much, but I'm wanting to pick up a few here and there. And it was just one of those like perfect sort of uh, kismet timing things. I was reading that Christopher Lee autobiography. I was really enjoying new Dooku stories coming out. It was right before or or during Tales of the Jedi. I think it was right before. And there was a Count Dooku Black Series. And I was just like, this is perfect. This is exactly what I want. And that was a really happy memory as well. I love that. You made me think too, you know, we're focusing on, on figures here. Uh, I, I want to say too, like some of the ones that I, these are again, four center stories that maybe have been shared over the years, but like some of my favorite little things that are, are pinned up on my wall here, man, my studio are like uh, the hot wheels stuff. And then the weird car ones that you and I just think are the <laughs> wonderful, bizarre things. I have that Palpatine in a Lambda class shuttle, tiny comical, <laughs> pull it back and it zips. And a lot of those still in package. And I have like a Ray, uh, Ray's speeder in the Hot Wheels. I have a biker scout because, of course, I do on a speeder bike. But, like, those are purchases that I stumbled on, right? Like, oh, I'm in line at 7 Eleven and that's where they got the Palpatine one. Or I'm at a, you know, a 99 cent store. What the heck is this one doing there? I love those two. That's going to that Star Wars in the wild. They're definitely not the ones that, like, uh, you know, I haven't sought out or, are, you know, the, the pre order. It's just like you turn the corner. Uh, I even, you know, mentioned on, on like uh, our, our new show recently when I went to my comic shop, you would expect to- Star Wars toys in a comic shop, but they had the little, uh, you know, mystery Bo- book of Boba Fett, uh, you know, keychain packs. Mm. It was like, that was a surprise. And I got a, I got a croissant and that just made me so happy. Right. And it's like, uh, it's fun. And, and small note, I actually unopened the, I, I opened those on my ASMR channel. So you guys could check out sports card ASMR. <laughs> like, yeah, they're kind of crinkly package. Let me play with it. And it was true excitement. It was true excitement. And it's just kind of, that's part of the fun here. And I think what Andrew's talking about too. Yeah, man, that's great. I, I do. I love the figures, but I, I love the uh, camaraderie and the tales that, that come from the figures. And I can't wait for Star Wars Celebration London where I have to figure out how the hell I can buy action figures and get them home. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, yes. A good problem to have. Andrew, I'm so happy uh, that Obi-Blue Kenobi made it into your life. Uh, my Black Series, uh, Obi-Blue Kenobi, is, is looking at me on my desk right now. I love that he's labeled Ben Kenobi. It's so cool. So cool. Yeah. Anyway, uh, any final thoughts, Ken, before we move on to our final question? No, I got to do some errands later today. You know where I'm going to go. That's right. Turn and left. Uh, our final question comes to us from Justin Jacobson. Uh, Justin says, lately I have been enjoying the character of Edie Karn. She obviously cares about her son and wants a good life for him, but seems to go about helping him in a way that seems kind of manipulated and creepy, often invoking the power and influence of a mysterious Uncle Carlo. Mm-hmm. Who do you think Uncle Carlo really is? The snitch Tim Carlo? <laughs> the scary goat with extra horns from Aldani? Oh, one of those purple-robed imperial advisor Sith cultists? Let's speculate irresponsibly, says Justin. Uh, this is a, a very fun question. Uh, as always, i got to acknowledge that sometimes it takes us a little while to get to the questions as we try to take them in chronological order. So uh, I'm sure Justin asked this uh, a little earlier in the Andor run. Uh, Ken, kind of two questions here in a way. There's the very fun question of who is this mysterious Uncle Carlo, uh, mm-hmm. what we really know about him. And then just kind of, what's the truth of Edie Karn? So uh, take yeah. a stab at either both of those questions. Well, so this is, so Uncle Carlo or Uncle Harlow, right? Is that oh, you're right. I think That's, it is Uncle Harlow. Yes. And, and I thought this was a great chance to clarify because this is not the first time I've seen this like that. Uh, I'm going to Wikipedia right now and it's listed as, as Harlow. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. my, garden, my gardeners agree with me. Uh, it is, uh, <laughs> it's the shortest Wikipedia entry I've ever seen. Right? It just says Harlow was the uncle of Cyril Karn. Nothing else. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so, yeah. So, I guess a uh, great, great time to cl- clarify that. Uh, this is Justin's not the only one who I've seen um, say Carlo. Great catch. Uh, uh, but I, but now I kind of want it to be also related to the Carlo family, <laughs> the sock, the sock barons of Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> um, so here's why I went, I went this direction. Palpatine's chances, 5%, that it's actually a code for uh, good old Uncle Sheaf, but uh, 5% and falling. Snoke chances. <laughs> 5% is quite high. It's quite high. It's quite high. Uh, Snoke chances, 1% and falling uh, on there. I do think though, it is someone with uh, no surprise power money and influence, but I don't think they're in the government. I think they have some sway into the government, big sway in the government. I think Uncle Harlow was a one-man special interest group who just has his fingers in a lot of things and a lot of people owe him. So that's why he can call on favors. And uh, I don't know if I, the big question is, do I want it ever revealed who he is, even if he's just a, I don't know, the janitor of the temple. I don't know. doesn't matter to me. I don't want him to be revealed. I like this mystery. This uh, almost a uh, uh, family MacGuffin of uh, this uncle that helps Cyril. Mm, yeah, I like that. Mm. <laughs> maybe, maybe the Uncle Harlow is where they get some of the DNA for Snoke. Maybe it's one percent. It's only one. I, I hope. I hope Snoke was made out of like a DNA swab of half the galaxy. So <laughs> he's just everybody. <laughs> he's just like who can be the, the best template? Well, how about everybody? How yeah. about that? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I kind of think Uncle Harlow has some power, but not that much. I, I agree with you. I don't think he's like an imperial officer. I think he's, you know, probably in, you know, uh, some corporation, uh, mm-hmm. some industry. Uh, I, I get uh, him being sort of Coruscant based, being, you know, it, it, whatever his company is, maybe has some government contracts uh, directly mm-hmm. to uh, the Empire. Um, but I, I kind of got the sense that he is somebody who... Um, Mm-hmm. has an okay to mid respectable job mm-hmm. uh but has had the most success in the Karn family and Ooh, I like that. absolutely lords it over everybody like mm-hmm. i think he's the kind of person who's maybe like he is a a mid to lower level manager uh he has a management meeting and you know maybe uh tarkin shows up to talk to them about something and he He's not in a position to raise his hand or say a damn word, but at uh, at family uh, dinners for the extended Karn family, he tells the story like he is best friends with Tarkin. That's oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> I know about ten of those people I can name right now. <laughs> right, it just it, there's just something about it that just seems like um, it's the gross name game, right? And yeah, and yeah. Y- the the position that he manages to wrangle for. Uh, for Cyril could be read two ways. To me, it could be read as like, here is a safe, solid place where this, you know, fail Mm -hmm. nephew Mm -hmm. of mine can't mess anything up. Or this, with all of the juice he's got, Harlow managed this, which is basically like, you know, the the sort of data entry, uh, which is not to disparage the the real life job, but I think the way it's uh, shown in Andor is it's a, a uh, soul-crushing factory of uh, obsessive control uh, mm-hmm. that is the Empire. I love, there's yeah, everything about this I love, it, it, because he's got some influence, he's got some power, he might know some people, he's been in the room, 
And and I get and I've been in those spots where I've been in the room with the mayor of Los Angeles a lot. He knew me by my face, never by my name. I couldn't call him a friend, right? <laughs> a friend, um, but uh, that you could parlay that, or and the insecurity that comes with it, because it seems like there's a lot of this this uh, in the in the Karn family. It seems uh, we've got with Edie and and maybe this Uncle Harlow of just like this false sense of your title means everything. This was push for power. They are they're the low level. Uh, version of what's going on maybe the empire of uh power is all all you need the win the win is more important so i like i like what you're saying about like we're like maybe he's got something that's like yeah we get it you're good uh, I, there's one particular guy i used to work with where it was just like yeah i i know your resume you keep telling me it <laughs> just calm down man and 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 it, maybe more people will like you too and maybe harlow's harlow seems like uh he needs to sell that that the information, the access, what he can do for you, he needs to sell that to keep you around, even in the family. And and yeah. he buys into that. Yeah, absolutely. Because it seems like a family that is defined by status. So I think it'd be the kind of thing where like, you know, you encounter someone uh, who, who only knows the best of everything, right? So you could tell them, you know, hey, I did a one person show, which takes all sorts of uh, energy and time and talent and like, eh, whatever, like, but I was an extra at this big theater you've heard of. Like, well, that's a big deal then. Like, well, yeah. is yeah. it like that yeah. it is to you because you're all about status? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Love that. Oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah. So uh, which gets us to uh, to Edie. Uh, uh, Justin was asking us to uh, to speculate responsibly about mm -hmm. Uncle Harlow, but uh, let's speculate at some level of responsibility uh, about mm -hmm. Edie. Now that we've seen the whole first season of Andor, uh, how do you feel about Edie? How, how do you do, do you think of her as somebody who wants a good life for her son um, or where, where do you go with that? I try not to get to two personal levels here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think there is an actual love care concern somewhere in there. Uh, but the how you'd get there, the attachment, you know, she's more worried about what how she'll handle or not handle what happens to Cyril, what other people will think of her more than Cyril. And all that starts to kind of whip itself up into a very uh, toxic stew. It's <laughs> mm -hmm. on here. Um, so at this point in her life, yeah, it's, it's all, it's all plain as negative. I do think it is negative, but you know, uh, I think, I think she at one point was rooting for him in a pure way. Uh, but who knows how she was raised? Who knows what's going on in this family as we've discussed. Uh, and she is fascinating in terms of a character the performance, everything about it. I do want more in season two. I actually want a lot more. There's you and I tracked the, as did all the Star Wars Twitter, tracked uh, the unintentional comedy and intentional comedy with them and the serial and the pauses and the, you went in my room, mother. Uh, it's it's all too real and it's all pretty uh, great. And, and we always say, hey, we'd love to have more mothers in Star Wars. And then they give us this one, which is not necessarily what we were thinking, <laughs> but it's equally as uh, as powerful and just seeing how, how it can all go wrong. And it's uh, to me another form of like that we're talking about the power grab and uh, negative attachments. Yeah, well, you know, I, I love everything you're saying. I think we've we've definitely seen father figures uh, like Vader who are challenging father figures. We've seen, you know, Kenobi as a father figure to Obi-Wan where he didn't really want to fill the father role. He wanted to be more, more of a brother, more equals. And 
maybe mm-hmm. let let him down. Kanan's whole story is starts out as I don't believe in myself as a teacher. So how the hell am I going to? Um, so I kind of love seeing, you know, it, it, I want to see lots of mothers, uh, yeah. including uh, a not good one, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I will also try not to get get personal, but to be perfectly honest, some of what's going on with Edie, it, it does uh, have some uh, uh, personal reflections of, of some of my life experiences. So I, I react to it strongly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the the scenes are are funny in, in a great dark comedy way. Mm-hmm. Because like what's happening here is not good uh, and we recognize it, but it's also there's some sort of like this familiarity to it that makes it funny. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that there is a possibility that she just truly loved her son uh, at some point. But the way I read the show, uh, it is a it, what we're seeing right now is a dysfunctional and selfish love. Mm-hmm. Um, she does not see her son as a fully fledged person. He has ways that he is trying to express himself in his uh, dress and his hair. He has an opinion about what happened uh, to him on Morlana One in Ferrix. She does not listen to any of that. She does not believe that. She does not respect his feelings and perspective. Yeah. So she, to, to, to Edie, Cyril is existing as a concept. Uh, not as an individual. Right now, he mm-hmm. is an extension of her, and she needs him to succeed so she can feed vicariously off of him. So the love that I think we're seeing in the show it is only love for the concept of I have a son, and I want to have him be doing well because it will make me feel good. Mm-hmm. And nothing is about understanding who Cyril is, where he's coming from, what he wants. Yeah, Uh well said, both in Star Wars and outside of Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. well, I'm taking some notes. I have a lunch on Sunday. I need to bring up some of this stuff. Here. <laughs> yeah. And, and I do, I really do think it is, I think it's fascinating. I think it's, it's well told. I think we've seen the sort of, um, the, the, these kinds of manipulations told in a really great mythic way. Mm-hmm. Um, with, you know, Vader at first approaching Luke of like, yeah, no, you, you, you know, Join me, father and son will be together. It'll be great. But Vader is still wrapped up in the dark side, and in, in Luke is a tool for him to get power at that point. You know, yeah. Uh, so we've seen a story like this um, in Star Wars in lots of places, but this is making it very, very real. Mm-hmm. Um, it, like so much in Andor, of taking ideas that you can find other places in Star Wars and, and making them a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, grounded and attached to the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really, I really hope to see more of this story. And, and I think we kind of will, because uh, I know I said uh, this on the Andor report, but I think we're, I think part of the reason that we spend as much time with Edie and Cyril's relationship is so we can understand where Cyril and Dedra are going, possibly. Yeah. yeah. So I'm excited to see that. I think that the kind of emotional abuse that Edie is subjecting Cyril to is creating this specific need uh, in the specific worldview of, of training Cyril since youth, one would imagine mm-hmm. that you don't have value unless you have status and station yeah. and whether your status and station is good, isn't to be measured by you because when you try to say what you think, nobody listens or cares. The value of the station you have achieved can only be measured externally. Cyril, uh, does the station you have now impress mother? Does it impress uh, Uncle Harlow, a uh, future DNA donor of Snoke? Ooh. It's all external, right? And I think what's so fascinating in Andor is I feel like we're seeing Cyril be aware of 
this toxic relationship with his mother enough to want to kind of reject his mother. Yeah. But he isn't, he isn't looking at, um, Hey, he's not handling it. He's not saying like, I have been taught these destructive things, these destructive ways, uh, to view myself in my validity. I need to unpack them. I need to deal with them. Instead, we're seeing him push his mom away, but Mm -hmm. lean into my only value is status and I need it defined externally. Hey, uh, in the case, in this particular case, uh, I need it defined by Dedra Miro, another powerful dominating presence like my mom. Absolutely. The cycle continues. The generational trauma is passed on. All those kind of big concepts, which is uh, one of the things we love about what they're getting to in Andor. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, I have strong feelings about it. I got to be careful when people ask me about Andor of like, Andor's going to be a, a hard one to have casual conversations about, right? Like, <laughs> let's talk about a cycle of emotional abuse. That'll be fun at a party. Yep, yep. I'm telling you. It's, Andor inspires a lot of kind of conversations. It sure does. All right. Any other uh, Uncle Harlow thoughts before we move on? I mean, look, he will be revealed to be uh, uh, Similu. We know this. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Excited to discover he is an imperial dignitary after all. Uh, that is it for our questions, but we have a power of the light side entry. Uh, part of my stumble at the top of these questions is uh, we have a question from Andrew Holmes, but we also have a power of the light side submission from Andrew Holmes. And I was just double checking that I hadn't accidentally used the wrong name on either of those thank you andrew for sending in the great action figure question and this power of the light side submission this is something that we uh post a request for on our patreon page if you're a patron and you want to share a positive thing about star wars that you love feel free to put a submission there here's what andrew said my power of the light side is about a reconnecting with star wars in the sequel era i was an original trilogy star wars kid Then I felt I was weird because I also loved the prequels. Differently, of course, but they were Star Wars, and that's the best. For a while in my 20s, I just didn't connect with it as much. I was doing other life stuff. The sequel trilogy came out uh, right at a crossroads where my wife and I had moved away from all our friends and family. At about the same time, my dad also got quite sick. He passed away two years after. But during this huge period of tremendous upheaval, Star Wars came back into my life to bring me joy and help me through. And hey, it was about this time I found this little podcast called Force Center. It's great. You should give it a listen sometime, says Andrew. I have laughed, cried, and cheered along with uh, all the sequel trilogy movies, standalone and Disney Plus series, and have loved having your voices to listen to along the way. Needless to say, Star Wars and Force Center has gotten me through a really difficult phase of life and really increased my action figure collection. Whenever a new figure arrives, I now just say, blame Force Center. Mm. So thank you. Thanks, Star Wars. Thanks, George. And may the Force be with you. Thank you, Andrew. This is great. Any thoughts, Ken? Uh, just uh, one of the things I love about the sequel era is is not the amount of new fans it, it brought, but the the love it rekindled for a lot of uh, older fans uh, who, you know, Star Wars is something in the rearview mirror that, that we say that a lot, but it came back. And, and then what it can mean when you open up your heart to the, to the new stories. I, I think a lot of what uh, we do around these parts is not just celebrate Star Wars, but I, I think, and we joke, but Andor has brought a lot of this up, and that's why you and I have maybe struggled with some of the discourses. Uh, there's going to be always criticisms of the projects, and 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 some of it uh, good, good old fashioned just film criticism and things to talk about, things that were hits, things that were misses, and I I'm always there for that. But I think I even more strongly started to find myself just standing up to push back of when that criticism pushes over into the other side, which is the emotional connections and the joy and the entry points and all those other things that we believe in around here. 
those things can be in balance. You can you can have some constructive criticism or some thoughts on what can be done better, have some fun speculating on what ifs and showed us. But when that pushes over into the personal stories uh, and, and you try to take, whether intentional or not, take away from a fan, like what Andrew's saying, of like, I, this, my father had passed away. This, and Star Wars represents so many things. And when it came back and came back in a new way, that meant something special to me. I, 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 you know, Andrew might have a, a third act problem with the uh, Rise of Skywalker or the second act problem with Rogue One. I don't know, right? And um, mm-hmm. you and I have those kind of thoughts too. But one of the reasons we choose to go in a different dis- direction here on how we discuss that it isn't just blind Star Wars, great, and we clap, we clap, we analyze what it means to our lives and what it brings to us. And, and that's so, there's so many different things and ways to approach that. It isn't just a seven year old going, yay, Ray, it, or some, it, it's, Someone like Andrew who's finding a, a, a new love for something that's been in his life forever. And that's what I love about what he's sharing. Yeah, very well said. And and I really agree. I think um, as the sequel trilogy era gets uh, uh, farther in the rearview mirror, right? And I can mm-hmm. kind of think about that time in my life. It is uh, the movies definitely that I think about and the new characters, but also what it meant to that time in my life. And I think that's the best of what uh, what storytelling can be is like I'm, I'm happy to analyze just the movie and have those quibbles and have those fun discussions. But I'm, I'm so with you that uh, there, there's so much there's so much larger than just that. They help us through hard times. They build community. And I think that it's just a, a rewarding way to look at storytelling. And I'm glad that we have a place to do that. And I'm glad that we have listeners who enjoy that perspective. Uh, thank you, Andrew, for the kind words about uh, being uh, uh, a part of our Four Center community. We really appreciate that. And uh, I, I personally apologize about the action figure uh, collection being out of control. And I, and I empathize. Yeah. Yeah. We apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm opening that uh, second Obi Blue Kenobi. I don't know where he's going to stand, though. I got a lot yeah. to figure out. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. All right. That is it, Ken. You want to let people know where they can find us? Yeah, I'll take us home here. We're on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Hive Social at Force Center when that comes uh, up and running. By the time this episode is released, it should be up and running. Uh, we're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Uh, like we said up top, if you want to give us a, give us a subscription on YouTube, uh, please do so. We'd really appreciate it. We're trying to get to 7,000. Our Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. We'll, we are available on ACAST, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Just search. You'll find us. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. And you can support us directly by going to patreon.com slash Force Center if you'd like to uh, there. Uh, you can follow me at Ken Napstock across all social media platforms or KenNapstock.com, where there you can link to things like Pop Rock and Radio, Casterly Talk. Uh, my SNN uh, Napstock Files feed is coming back soon with some new content there. Uh, so check it all out there. Where can they find you, sir? Yeah, you can find me on all the social media, Twitter, Hive, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can check out my YouTube channel. Uh, Just go to YouTube and search Joseph Scrimshaw for comedy, short films, some episodes of my podcast, Obsessed. All that is there on YouTube. And if you'd like to help me uh, make more uh, short films, you can check out my Patreon, patreon.com slash Joseph Scrimshaw. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for the mysterious Uncle Harlow, this has been Cues of the Force.
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.